Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Welcome, everyone. This is View from the Raptors. Let's get a crack it. Presented by Flex Car. Let's go. Season four. Do you remember discussions? Let's talk a little basketball here. Yes. You know, there's a lot to do here. Who told you? Yet you still have this mindset. I like winning. Are you rubbing that in? Yeah, I am. <laughs> it was a damn parade around there. It's a brotherhood. That's how you're going to be able to be successful. You know, there's no culture like the Boston Celtics culture. What's up, everyone? This is Mark D'Amico. I just want to say thank you for giving us a listen or a watch. And please do not forget to rate, subscribe, or review us. We appreciate you giving us a listen. And here's the next episode of View from the Raptors, behind the scenes with the Boston Celtics, presented by Flexcar. All right, Rajon Rondo, best point guard of the last how many years in Celtics history? Grandy, what do you think? 40? I, I know you like to think I'm old. I never saw Koozie play, so believe it or not, I see those films, right? Where he's like, you know, do you, ever, do you watch that stuff? Do you ever? Did you ever watch Bob Koozie films like old playing against the plumbers stuff? and old, firefighters? Old, old school Not stuff. Film, but I've seen some YouTube of them. Yeah, just out of respect. Yeah, just it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Like what, when you watch, because I'm dying to know. I'm dying to know what you think of what the NBA is now, what this game is now compared to 15 years ago. What does the brain of Rajon Rondo think when you see what the NBA was back in the olden olden days? Slow as a train. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's really slow. I mean, obviously they have the fast trains now, but uh, it was slow. The game was slow. I was just talking to Phil Pressey um, about now, like if I was to play in today's game now, like the way the pace is, uh, which I haven't been gone for too long, but when I first started, you know, the games would be 79-86, you know, 30-possession game, 40-possession game. Now and it's... You know, the Celtics are averaging 45, 53s a game. So it's just, I think it's, game 7, 2010, I think it was 83, 79 or something yeah. like that. Well, well, was, well now you would never, you, it was a halftime score now. Yeah, right? seriously. Yeah. The Philly game is going to live because of uncut gems, right? It's <laughs> yeah. going to live forever, that game yeah. 7. And that, all those games were just were rock fights. But you, you went there. So uh, uh, this is what I was really dying to know. When you watch the game now with the speed and the threes, I talked to Wally Zerbiak the other night. And Wally, who, you know, he had his, his moments even then when you say, geez, Wally, I'm not sure you, he fits in with the game then in 2006. <laughs> he's the best. But Wally now sits there and goes, he's watching it like this, like a track meet going back and forth going, I can't, it, it, makes, it makes him nervous how fast the game is going now. Do you think you would have adjusted the way you played and that this could even have been an environment in which you would have thrived even more? I truly believe that. Absolutely. Why? I mean, because of my speed and my yeah. pace, the way that I play the game. I was up tempo guard always, uh, being able to get up, get the ball off the court. Um, and then, like I said, you're shooting the ball within the first eight, six, seven seconds of the shot clock. When I was playing early in my career, you know, we didn't shoot possibly to, you know, 15, 16 seconds in the shot clock. Mm-hmm. So having more possessions uh, with the style that I play the game, I believe I would have truly been a little bit better. Do you remember discussions of all the different places you ended up? in different rooms with different staffs, do you remember discussions as the game was beginning this transition 
about wanting to play that way, about, hey, why don't we play this way? Why don't we shoot earlier on the shot clock? Why don't we... Do you... You've always been on the forefront of any kind of conversation about the game and the style and the way it's played. Do you remember opportunities in places you were where you could sort of see this transition happening and maybe pushing that a little bit? I think my first team that I did get to that experience was probably Sacramento. You know, my first team, first time going for a team out west. And led the league in assists I did lead the league in assists, yep. I was able to manipulate the game and uh, (laughs) get guys the ball. Like I said, I played with Rudy, Bellinelli, um, DeMarcus Cousins, you know, was a big reason why I led the league in assists. So um, we played fast. We played up-tempo. George Carl never talked about defense. So it was pretty much (laughs) offense, get the ball out quick and go. That's kind of how we played. We didn't win. We didn't make it to the playoffs, but – uh, it was a fun year. Do you remember, though, first, like, the Suns are probably the first team that started doing it, right? right. And uh, that yeah. was right in the middle of Right. And, and when, we played, when we played the Suns, you knew you were going to get your, your career high numbers because <laughs> yeah, they didn't play right. defense. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of yeah. how it was. When you play the West Coast team, they got that kind of, uh, you know, stigma as far as they don't play defense and you're going to run and, and your numbers would inflate those games. If you played now in this speed, we're talking about how many possessions are in each game, how many assists do you think you would average? I would say probably like about 14, 15. Uh, it just depends on the personnel. You know, you still got to make shots. This Celtics team. This Celtics team. The way they shoot. I, it's funny. I was just watching them shoot a uh, walkthrough. 5-0 mm-hmm. offense. I don't think they took one layup. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I just said they shoot about 40, 53 a game. And like I said, it's fun to watch. Um, you know, the game is always evolving. And you got to adapt or get left behind. You watch this team now. Uh, we've got a guard rotation of Drew Holiday came in before the season. Derek White, obviously been here for a couple of seasons, was one of the best guards in all of the playoffs last year. Peyton Pritchard now getting a bigger role. I know the way that you see the game, um, looking at those guys, what do they bring in that dynamic of those three guys being able to uh, and Joe, being at Joe Missoula's disposal throughout the season? Unselfishness. I think those guys play a great role in sacrificing, uh, understanding you know who to get the ball to at what particular time. And making the little plays, doing all the intangibles. And I think that's what Derek White, you know, he um, excelled at last year in the playoffs mm-hmm. and throughout his career. Uh, you guys get to know Drew a lot better this year and what he brings to the team and Pritchard as well. You can go in on Drew, though, because you guys were teammates, yeah, right? He's, he's in, one, of my in favorite, New Orleans. one of my favorite backcourt mates I've ever played with. What was it like being uh, teammates with him? And why is he one of your favorite backcourt teammates ever? Uh, first of all, he's a great human being. You know, great characteristics on and off the court. Um, he's one of the most hardworking guys I've ever been around uh, in and out the weight room. He's very um, strict on his diet and how he takes care of his body. So um, kudos to Drew. He's always been a great professional. Uh, we ran into each other. We bumped in and began to become teammates in New Orleans. And we had a great run in New Orleans, played with Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, great group of guys. Like I said, uh, we have a lot of things in common, but one thing he does is compete at a high level. Do you appreciate that stuff more now? You're talking about the things we know, the older we get and we become parents and our kids get older in life, do you appreciate the better, the being a good human being and the character things? Do you appreciate those more now than you did when you were younger? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's you know, part of life. You, know, you kind of sit back and you reflect and you understand that, okay, well, it's not, this isn't normal. So you kind of appreciate it as you get older. And for me, you know, being able to play with three first Battle Hall of Famers at 21 years old, uh, I was kind of able to kind of, understand what I was coming into versus now when I left the Celtics, you know, the guys and my teammates that I was around, um, Dirk, LeBron, you know, cousins. So I got to appreciate greatness when I was around it and, and kind of understood where I was at. You talk about that first team, right? That you're, well, not your first team, but your second team in your career with the three Hall of Famers playing around you, you guys win the title. 
every time I think back on this team and you in particular, I'm like, how did this 21 year old guy in his second season just fit in seamlessly with all of this talent? These guys who are like fighting for a title before their careers end. And we're talking about the big three. How did you fit in with those guys? Because you were at such different stages of right. life. Like, I think we were two we years hear, apart. Yeah, yeah, we hear all the time about, you know, first couple of years of guys in a league, he's trying to make a name for himself and all these things. So how did that work? How did that work in you fitting in with those guys? I think this is the guys on the team, the chemistry, the camaraderie that Doc instilled in us. Um, just having a great leader and Doc understanding. You know, we went to Rome that first year. Um, we were able to get away uh, from our families. Uh, for the greater good and, and kind of become a family on the road in Rome uh, and Turkey. And we got to know one another. Yeah. Again, the age difference was a big gap, but at the same time, uh, we had one common goal, and that was to win. And whatever it took, uh, a lot of guys had to sacrifice. And that's what, you know, it started with our vets. Uh, Doc brought in Sam Cassell, who helped me out as well. Uh, great coaching staff, Armand Hill. It was a team collective effort. It was a great organization overall, which it still is today, but particularly in those uh, the people that made it run in that particular time was was fun for me to be a part of, and that's why I clicked and, and we gelled so well. You were watching it all. And I wonder, I, you know, I called every game that you played in, starting in 2006 in that, that difficult first year. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> what was it, 18 and straight? 18 Here's straight. The thing. So, somebody here, somebody here may have won it out. I did want out. <laughs> yeah, oh, during that goodness. first year. I was frustrated. I, um, uh, I felt like I was doing what I had to do in practice to get some playing time. Um, and I did play my rookie year, but you know, coming from Kentucky, going to a, a franchise like this in NBA, and it's like, is this normal? You know, we lose 18 straight games, like, and, and nothing and has changed. And I, can, I, I can't make an impact. I feel like I can do much more, but I, you know, I couldn't. I feel like my hands were tied. And uh, I've had great mentors in my life, uh, Doug Bibby, um, my agent at the time, uh, Bill Duffy. You know, they always told me cream rises to the top, so I try to stay focused continue to work hard, and then full circle one year later, well, what a difference a year makes. I was able to still be in the Celtics. Luckily, I didn't get – was in that eight blockbuster trade. Mm -hmm. uh, because at first, it was – I remember the first day the trade happened, my name was on the screen. Yeah, it was. So I didn't know that. Yeah, I was sitting at home at my mom's house. And, that was before Woj bombs were coming out, right? Right, yeah. So I was sitting at home at my mom's house, and I see my name on the screen. I was kind of kind of relieved like I was get out of there because yeah. I wanted an opportunity to play and showcase my talent because then I think it was – a three-year contract or two-year contract where you had an opportunity. If not, you were bouncing out of the league yep. quickly. So uh, I wanted to play, and I was a competitor, and, and I just tried to continue to work and get better. And then a year later, it, it kind of came. It happened for me. Do you ever – was there ever a moment you thought about what, how your life would have been different if Glenn Taylor and Kevin McHale got their way and you were the guy they wanted? You were the one that Danny, Wick, and everybody said, no, it just – dug their feet in the sand and said, we're not giving up Rondo. You ever wonder what your life would have been like, how different it would have been had you gone on that path? And you not probably don't want to think about no. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't. Um, not at all. Because that same year, I was able to win, so it's, there was never no looking back. Um, again, not taking for granted being able to play with three future Hall of Famers and the rest of my teammates that were great to me as well. So um, brotherhood to this day. So that's what I'm appreciative of, and I never – look in the past of what it could have been, especially when things went so well for me and my, my future. You mentioned the age difference, which I think is so interesting that people don't think of it that way. They see a team on the floor and they don't understand the difference between a 12-year vet who's 31 right. With and kids, a 21 family, and a 22-year-old kid that's just, all of it. you know, doesn't know anything. We, we have it here now with Jalen and Jason who have grown together, but 
you know, Jalen has had his own life and is as fascinating and as mature and as in-depth a young man as you're ever going to meet. And yet Jason's had a different path because he's been a dad right. right away. And it's always been fascinating to watch. What do you know now in your life? If you could tell 22-year-old Rajan something about playing with these guys, about being in the moment, about having those years in front of you that you, he couldn't possibly have known then that you know now, what would it be? Just not taking the game for granted. You know, I know it sounds, you know, pretty cliche, but at the same time, it really is a, a true value to play for an organization like this, for one, um, because you don't, you know, me being in the league for 16 years, you, you, I didn't play for an organization like this every team I played for. A lot of great ones, but, you know, with this, the characteristics of this organization, the people that run this place uh, are great human beings. And coming back today, almost 18, almost 20 years later, it's like a lot of people are still here. So it shows you what type of organization this is how they take care of their people, and what this is about. Everybody says, I want to play with one team my whole career. I, I want to be one of those I, guys. I always answer those, I'm to cut you off, but I always yeah. answer those questions at camp. And I'm like, I thought I wanted to be, you know, the Dirk, uh, you know, rest in peace, Kobe. Yeah. But it's like, for me personally, I'm thankful that I was able to experience living in so many different cities. Mm -hmm. You know, I lived in Chicago, I lived in Dallas, Sacramento, Los Angeles, and get paid to do it, um, and get my family have that experience. Atlanta. I mean, it was three weeks in Atlanta. but <laughs> We don't you know. have time to go through the mall. <laughs> right. It's just 19 teams. Easy but, to forget. Um, like I said, I, I'm thankful for that experience in life. You know, like I said, I, I always thought about it. And when I came back here, it's so different. You know, I've been gone for a long time, but being in this part of town, you know, I never really was here when I was a mm -hmm. Celtic. You know, it was, we was way out in Waltham. I lived in Lincoln, and we went to Lincoln and downtown. It was kind of back and forth. It, was, it wasn't the, the middle ground here where we are now in Cambridge. So, um you know, I'm thankful that I did have the opportunity to play for different teams, different cities, different experiences. Now I'm able to network and reach out to different people and teams and kind of follow up. Mark, you just saw, did you see the Rondo brain working there? He knew what my question was going to be <laughs> about the different experiences. And three seconds in, just, there, right, just buzzed stop, in. Stop. Just buzzed in and had it. Yeah, I, I get that question. It's a great question all yeah. the time. It's well, like, it is because it, it is. Who can imagine I, you know, I did three years in Minnesota, and I've been here for 20-something cents. I don't know how Sacramento Kings work. I don't yeah. know the, in, mm -hmm. the intricacies of that organization, the Chicago Bulls or whatever it is. And it just seems like it, it has made you a more complete person, especially someone I've never met a player who matched your intellectual curiosity about anything. Everything. From, yeah. uh, everything, from Connect Four to how the organization <laughs> works. And yet, it just seems like you know, we, don't, we don't choose our path. Right, we don't. But man, you right. can be appreciative of it. Definitely thankful. Because uh, like I said, I always thought, I was like, man, I want to be that guy. Because I was here for nine, eight and a half, nine years. So it's like, mm -hmm. I wanted to retire one team. And, you know, like I said, the man upstairs had a different plan. I'm thankful that, you know, it went that way. He mentioned Connect Four. Why? What was this thing? You were like the most competitive Connect Four player. Like, I, I learned this like day one when I came to the Celtics in 09. Everyone's like, if there's a Connect Four game on the table, Rondo's going to play. And it doesn't matter if you're seven years old. Or right. 30 years old, like, I got, I he's going to try to yeah, try to beat you yeah. in four moves, yeah. <laughs> so, for me, beat. what came about it was I had curfew when I was younger. I had to be on the porch. Uh, when the porch light came on, when the street lights came on, I had to be on the porch. And I didn't want to go in, so I always told my friends to come in the neighborhood, and we sit and play Connect Four on the porch. And you always won? I didn't always win, and I still don't always win now. I lose a lot online, but in person, I've been <laughs> Wait, pretty Wait, hold on. You're playing good. Connect Four online right now? No, not now I play chess. Okay. 
So um, you've transitioned. I've transitioned to chess now. So that's more of a, a little more intellectual. Game. Yes. Are you playing? You like Max? You playing anonymously, and some some guy in the, the middle game. of nowhere doesn't yes. know he's playing chess against. <laughs> exactly. Russia. Yes. I awesome. play all the time. Yes. You know, Max plays. What is it? Is it solitaire? Max plays solitaire. He plays poker. He plays yeah during plays during game broadcast. <laughs> yeah, keep some focus. I can see that. I, could, I probably would play chess during the broadcast if I could. Yeah. I mean, we could try it out. Would he's you have Rondo yeah. on? Oh, he's for, already set. He's yeah. like he could fit right into the chair as soon as we're done. <laughs> you hey, mentioned no. Speaking of radio broadcasts, I learned something recently that I never ever knew, which is funny when you're in this life yeah. many years. I'm intrigued. So there is a. The famous moment in the Friday night game in Atlanta where you tear your ACL. Overtime game. Didn't know I told my ACL. Of course you didn't. And now I just found out when you found out you tore your ACL. Mm. And who's the one who said it? You heard the news when you were driving back to the game. It was you? Yeah. I, so you're <laughs> listening to the game How coming back. did you? Who told you? Give All me right, that. So we started seeing that this is the beginning. This is the dawn of the Woj yeah, you're saying you were before the time. Well, we were we're reporting what's being reported yeah. online. So here's it was a strange sequence of events, right? So you have the Friday night game, which you finished. Saturday, we knew you didn't practice, but a lot of guys didn't practice. It wasn't a thing. We get to the game Sunday. I don't remember if you were out there warming up. There I was, was warming no, up. I had I up. had 25 heat packs on my body yeah. because I had my back it was cold for one in the garden. It was yep. freezing. I had like three on my knees. I had my back, and I think I had them on my Achilles. But again, this is typical me. I'm young. I'm thinking, oh, just a couple nights rest. I'll be back to normal. I didn't know. It's a nationally televised game. And it's a nationally televised game. I think I had two triple doubles back to back. And Uh I think the record was three. I was playing against LeBron on a Sunday. So it was like. You were ready to go. I feel like I was going to get it done. (laughs) Yeah. There's no way he's missing it. So he's out there. So the last thing you're thinking is there's a serious. Okay. Rondo's not playing today. But the last thing you're thinking is, is a serious injury. But I was was still playing it to that point. Now I went back into the locker room. Um, the doc came back. He was like, you know, lay on the table. I'm not like, that doc, the other doc. Yeah, the other, no, yeah, yeah. Not, not, not Rivers. <laughs> um, so I go back to um, lay on the training table, and he does the knee check. He's like, oh, you're not playing like, I'm like, what? I'm surprised. I'm like, I'm about to get this triple double. Mm-hmm. We're about to win. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, my whole mindset is already in the game. So I'm disappointed. He's like, I'll get an MRI. I'm like, all right, whatever, no biggie. So I go to the hospital. I think it's, it's a Sunday. I think that was a hospital. I'm not sure if it was closed. It was that wing was closed. I think the MRI wing was closed. Nobody was in the even in the building. Sunday afternoon. So I go get the MRI. Literally, there's just one person in there that's getting it done. Me, the doctor, and the lady that's running the, the MRI scan. We get back in the car, and that's when I heard your voice. And I look at the doc like, <laughs> "How the did hell? You say, How do they know? Kind of, I haven't even got back Did to the, the arena yet. Go straight to Grandy's inbox. It had to. I wasn't even in the arena, and I was like. Is this doc? Is this true? Who who said this? Like, you don't even know. You even you don't even have the disc. So where'd you get it? It was being. I don't remember specifically, but it was being reported that there was a torn ACL. You came back to the building, Max. I send Max. I'm like Rondo's right down there. You know, we're obviously we're we're trapped in the corner there, which we still are. <laughs> and I see Rondo out of the you know out of the corridor behind the bench in that area in the corner. And I send Max down. I said the Rondo's right there. And Max goes down the stairs. And you told him, I'll be, I'll be back in two, something, something Rondo-like defiant. I'll be back in two weeks. I'll be back in whatever it's going to be. And so I, it was the first ever viral tweet I ever had because I just reported Max has talked to Rondo and he said he'll be back in three. And yeah. that thing went berserk. But that's how strange a day it was that we didn't, the, the funneling went of information. Went from ACL tear to back in a few to weeks. Back in to- a few weeks to all this stuff is going on in the middle of a nationally televised game. 
on ABC and you didn't in, have in 2013. Con- you didn't even have confirmation yourself. Uh, right. Yet. So I got back to the arena. Then Doc pulled me. The Doc pulled me in Doc's office, sat me down, and was like, "You're done." I'm like, uh, "For today?" He's like, "No, <laughs> you're out for the season." So that was that. I think I had a couple tears, frustrated, sad, all above, and then kind of just went from there. And Bird still has the record. And Bird still has the record. Yes. Listen, you mentioned, I want to get back to this, because you mentioned at some point before that, that this place was a little bit different than your other eight stops. And probably there was some... There was eight or nine, ten. I don't know. I think it was eight others. Okay. Nine total. Okay. Um, How about this? He has been good. We just passed the point. You were here so long. It was essentially, you were here eight and a half years, and it's it's just been a little more than eight and a half years since you're gone. That's how crazy it is. That's how long you were here. Is that the time that yeah, you have yeah. been gone is basically the same, the same, same time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But when you look, I'm always curious, and people say it's different and all these things, but when you look back, what is it that was different about your experience here as opposed to some of the other places that you were at? The people. People, the fans. Um, when we won it, I, I remember vividly, it's like when I won it, even till to this, till to this day, people would say thank you. <laughs> you know, versus like, oh, congratulations. A lot of people say congratulations, good job, champ. But people here were like, appreciative, grateful, thankful that, you know, we bring a championship back to Boston in so many years. Because at that age, I was 21, but they didn't win it. Or last time they won it was 1986 when I was born. Yep. It was kind of ironic that <laughs> I was born the year that they won it. Uh, and then coming full circle, being able to get the championship at a young age with, you know, a lot of great teammates. Mm-hmm. Would you well, say it's personal here? They take, yeah, it personal. They take it personal. They take it personal. Ask, anyone, ask any of the 2004 Red Sox, right? They'll right. tell you people <laughs> – we're so thankful to them. Like this is, my, you know, they did it to my grandfather. They did it right. to my father. You like delivered it to me. It's personal. Title town. Yeah. So on that note, let's go through some of the moments that everyone talks about when they talk about Rondo in Boston. We'll start out with one. We'll go kind of chronological here. So okay. 2010 playoffs, Cavs. We talked to, to Pierce about this. He, he wanted, you guys wanted Cleveland. the Cavs that yeah, year. Absolutely. You you actually tried to manipulate the standings so you would get them. But Doc asked us. Doc he, asked us. Yeah. He what asked was, you if, if you guys like, wanted. What, to, what seed? Kind of. How do we go on yeah. about getting into the playoffs? Or you know who do we want to face or first or last type of thing? And we wanted to see them early. Was it? It was like resounding. Everyone on the same page about that. I don't know about everybody, but I know me personally. I wanted to handle the smoke early. Why? I, I like to get straight to it. Uh, I don't want to <laughs> you know prolong anything or. You know, we go two series and then someone else get hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's go through the best early and while we're healthy and let's see what we're made of. So obviously, you guys come out on top, but that moment—it's LeBron's last game. With you guys, basically ended LeBron with the Cavs the first time around. I remember walking him off the court, taking his jersey off, and it was just like it felt like a tipping point in the NBA. Something big was going to happen after that, which it did. Obviously, yeah. he went down to Miami, took his talents to Miami. Yes, he did. But what do, you, what do you remember about that series and that night in particular when you guys came out on top, when everyone was thinking LeBron was like ready to punch through? Well, we knew from the beginning, you know, from the beginning of the season, what we were capable of. And if we continue to believe and stay unselfish, um, we were able to make sacrifices and believe in each other, we could beat anybody. And we knew it wasn't a one-man show. And we knew that going into it, you know, Paul may have had a matchup, but all f- other four guys were, were challenging LeBron as well. And you guys wanted, like, I just remember so vividly, you guys were going to KG in the post, like, over and over and over. Yeah, I think he series. had a Jameson matchup. 
Yeah, he, he was Jameson. Yep. So you know, all day. It Jameson was, like, was about my age now, going yep. against Kevin. Then, so it was kind of we want to take advantage of it. And you know, even to that, um, the game today is still about mismatches. And we had we had three Hall of Famers, so <laughs> somebody had a mismatch each night. And in that particular series, uh, we wanted to you know, feature Kevin a little bit more. When the time finally comes and you need a car, there are not a lot of options. Buying a car is expensive, and APRs are through the roof. You can lease, but everyone knows there are a million fees and loopholes with those. That's why FlexCar is a total game changer. All the hassles of owning a car, you know, stuff like shelling out hundreds for new tires or crossing your fingers every time the check engine light comes on, they're all gone when you drive a flex car. It's truly zero stress living. Even in the middle of the night, you've got 24 seven roadside assistance ready to help. At the end of the day though, it's really all about peace of mind. This one annual expense covers all the unpredictable things that come along with having a car for as long as you have your flex car. And that, my friends, is a no-brainer. Even better, our exclusive promo code RAFTERS gets you 100 free miles at sign-up. So go check out FlexCar today. I know you guys became teammates later on, you and LeBron. You're obviously good friends now. You won a championship together. We're not going to talk about that with the Lakers. It gives me goosebumps, not in a good way. But um, it felt like you guys broke him that night. It was like he he realized something something has to change for me career-wise to be able to reach the levels that I want to get to. Well, he made a smart move. He, he did. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, give him kudos. I mean, like I said, we had, a, we had a strong team that year, and the guys that he had with him were good, but they weren't good enough. Mm-hmm. And he went and regrouped. Um, made a great decision, moved to Miami, and he ended up breaking us <laughs> when he <laughs> came back in the garden and dropped yep. about 46. Yeah, he did. Uh, yep. And it was a closeout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. We, we, we had them, and then yep. he came in the garden, and he was unstoppable. So he got his lick back, and again, if, if we beat him that year, I think we, we win another championship. Yep. But yep. What, Did you – I mean, LeBron is one of the few guys that I, plays at your level basketball brain-wise. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine the IQ level of those conversations. Did you ever talk about – those Celtic teams and those games, him playing against your Celtic teams? No, never did. We, um, we, really? We, we talked That's about the game where he, the game I was talking about, the one he scored 46. Yeah, well, and six. He, he, he's definitely yeah. going to bring that up yeah, he to talked you, right? about, He talked about the mindset, and I think I talked to um, Joel, is it Joel Anthony? Joel yeah. Anthony, yeah. Yep. Was, Who had was, a cup of coffee yeah, here. Yeah. And then uh, D-Wade, they, they were talking about his mindset in the locker room. And he, he said, like, we're not going to lose this game. And then... You know, being on the other side, we didn't know that was his mindset, but yeah. he came out and delivered. That was I. That was the moment where his career changed. Yeah, not, it, it was that, like no, that's, that's no the moment his career changed. Something I was, like, was <laughs> like in his eyes that even me as as a fan and like working for the team, I was like, it, it was we're, unbelievable. We're, we're in yeah. deep shit. It was unbelievable the way he played that night, and I was like, it, like play this way, game one, game two, not mm-hmm. the game that the closeout game. We could have closed him out, but he delivered, and that's you know that's what greatness does. They show up when needed. I think the, the Celtics' place in LeBron's career is fascinating because of 2008, because of 2010, and because of that night. And when, even in 2011, when they had eliminated the Celtics in, in Miami, they eliminated when, you guys. When, when, when Bosch hit the shot yes, in the corner. Bosch hit the shot. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And you guys were all banged. That was when you and D. Wade had your yeah, first yeah, tangle up. Yeah. All that stuff. But you could see the relief. It meant so much to LeBron because yeah. he, like you, understands the history of this game and knows there's that always that obstacle you have to overcome, and the Celtics were that for him. Right. Just like kind of how the Pistons were when we won our first yeah, one. Like, you know, they were the team to beat uh, going into Detroit. 
getting uh, game six done, that was difficult, and we knew that we had to go through the champs, become champs, and that's what it takes. You just brought it up, so let's go right in. We're not going chronological anymore, but 2011, what was it, game three? Game three, you guys are playing at TD Garden. You're down 2-0 to the Heat. You're up, I think it was 60 to 50, third quarter, looking like, all right, we feel like the series is going to turn the other direction, and down, you and Wade get tangled up, something happens, you dislocate your elbow. What do you remember about those moments? And I don't even know how you played the rest of the game, but like, what do you remember about that night? He just played moment? on a torn ACL, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did finish yeah, I just remember you playing with one arm. Like, you were literally dribbling with one arm, playing with one arm throughout the rest of that night and the rest of the series. I was like, this guy's a maniac. Yeah, uh, it caught up with me. I think it was a game. Did we get to the game seven that year? No, it was game five. Yeah. Game, okay. The fourth game was an overtime loss. Yeah, which eventually it turned was around a very the following year. Close series yeah. for a five game series. <laughs> yeah, um, that particular play, like I said, I, it was kind of a freak accident. Um, we were teammates after that. Yeah, you know, so it's no bad blood. But I think he broke it on purpose or tried. <laughs> um, you know, he's a competitor. Um, you say that with a straight face, like you really think that he was. Uh, I don't know. I, he I'm wasn't not, trying to hurt yeah, you, but he, he was. I don't think he knew jujitsu or anything like yeah. that. But he, uh, you know, <laughs> well, he, it was a Kimura, yeah. by the way. He won the <laughs> MMA term for what it was. Okay, that's that's what it was. Was. Yeah. okay. Uh, he made a play. Um, you know, like I said, I don't think it was targeting me in the locker room or it was talks to take me out or anything like that. It's like I said, he was playing, made a play on the ball, or tried to make a play on the ball, and ended up making a play on my elbow. Yeah. How did you play the, through the rest of that night Ad- in series? Adrenaline. It's like every <laughs> other injury. It's like um, for me, it was a mindset. Uh, I went back in the locker room. They're trying to shoot me up. They're trying to, you know, tell me I shouldn't play. And I'm like, I got to go. You know, yeah. I'll be back later. We can figure this out a couple <laughs> weeks from now. I'll be back later, Doc. Uh, just kind of how I say my, was my ACL. It's like I didn't, yeah. I didn't want to succeed or succumb, succumb to um, an injury to where I couldn't play or perform for my teammates. What did they have to do? Like, did you um, go back they, in the, they and actually, they popped it I back in place? I think Doc actually snapped it back once, he, <laughs> even before I went back to the locker room. So it, it got it's not back in place, and then the still it was the numbness of you know the burning of the tingling. But again, my mindset was trying to get back out there on the court and help my teammates win the game. For anyone who didn't watch that game, any of our younger fans, like <laughs> imagine yet. this guy playing in a huge game with in series, literally with one arm at both ends of the court. Like I don't know that I'll never forget the sight of that of you kind of. Not, I remember I got a steal and I was kind of, I think I, I was like hobbling or holding my hand yeah. the same way when I was dribbling the ball. It was like you were playing in a sling, but you didn't have a sling. <laughs> yeah. Against LeBron, and, I don't know, it was nuts. I know you remember that moment. Well, that was the, I mean, by the, that was sort of an inevitability. Shaq was hurt that year. Yeah. Uh, you know, he never really made it back and then he got hurt again late in the year as soon as he came back. There were other, I think Delonte was, there were all kinds of injuries and you just got the feeling it wasn't going to be. Right. It was just, it, it was their, it was their time, which is yeah. why, again, when you're talking about LeBron having that game six, they failed in the finals. And LeBron didn't have that great finals against Dallas, which is why 2012, you know, mattered so much to him. And that, to me, that 2012 series, we skipped ahead to game six. But that, of course, you have Paul stare down in game five <laughs> and your game two down there, which was, I, I think I described at the time, I just remember Doc coaching with so much force at that point. You knew it was everything. You knew it was Sort of the last chance. Mm-hmm. And it just felt like one of those NBA moments that you are in when you know history is happening one way or the other. Right. Did you feel like that as it was going on? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was fun to be a part of. And like I said, reflecting back on it, it's, I'm thankful I was a part of that type of history in the game. And then you go on to be teammates with him later. I've, I, I've always tried to wrap my head around well, this. Well, in fairness, where... he was teammates with pretty much everybody. <laughs> yeah, that, right? Right. Think about I, mean, I, mean, I was teammates with Wade before Brian. Yeah. Right. So, 
Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much out of teammates with everybody. <laughs> let's go through that, though. I okay. mean, both of them. So, obviously, in the moment, in, in 2011, when you and Wade go down and your arm pops out, you're pissed. You're probably pissed for at least a few years after that. I think it, was it was more so my family and cousins and everybody they, were pissed. They were pissed. <laughs> yeah, they were more pissed than me. Um, so everyone in Celtics Nation? Yeah, Celtics Nation was pissed. So, But you had seven, I think it was seven years later, you became teammates. Okay. So That long? I think it was. I mean, I could be wrong, but it's, it's happened. Yeah, it, was, it was a while. Yeah, you are, but yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Because, yeah, 2017 is another, uh, you want to get in the, into the minds <laughs> of Rondo. 2017 in the Chicago Bulls series, yeah. to me, is uh, there's something so seminal about this to me. So the Bulls come in and win the first two games. Yeah. Isaiah, Isaiah loses his sister, remember this, and he comes back and he plays. There's all this emotion already in the series. The Bulls come in and win the first two games in the series before he gets hurt. But when you talk about that series, you weren't playing against Isaiah or Avery or Jay. Who were you preparing against in that series? Brad Stevens. Go. Brad Stevens. Absolutely. Why? Yeah. Why was he... I know you've discussed because, this a little bit, I mean, but why was, was he the guy on your mind? Isaiah was the engine scoring-wise. You know, he had a hell of a year scoring. Um, I think, did he have a scoring record that year? Or the, did he lead the NBA he, in scoring? No, top five? But he, he was up there. He was, top it was five. one he was of the... One leading of the, the fourth quarter in scoring yeah, in okay. the NBA. He was, yeah, fifth in one, I think he was second or third all-time yeah. in scoring but, but, for his single season But Brad here. was the magician who made the team go. Mm-hmm. You know, he had all the tricks, uh, the gimmicks. He loved being unorthodox and how he coached and style to play the game. So, for me... Um, I had a lot of downtime here. Let me go back. So in Chicago that year, um, Wade called me before we became teammates. He's like, hey, everything's cool. Like, everything, everything's like, cool. Nope, no, nah, of course not. <laughs> my main focus, I'm like, I just want to win. Yeah. I got an opportunity to play with a lot of great teammates again. It was Jimmy, D-Wade, and then myself. So I was like, you know, put everything in the past. Let's go out here and win. Uh, it's your hometown. I love living in Chicago. Was, I, was, I think it's the closest city that I've been to as far as close to home. Yeah. So it was a three-hour drive. So mm-hmm. I had a lot of family come up as well. Years start off pretty good. Next thing you know, I'm, I, get, I get benched. They, they, they bring in, I think, uh, Cam Payne, uh, Michael Carter-Williams, and I'm benched for maybe, I want to say, 20, 25 games. And for me to stay mentally focused and mentally tough, I was always just – I would go random cities – or not random. I would go random uh, neighborhoods in Chicago and play basketball. And just play runs. And just play. Just stay in shape mm-hmm. because I never liked the treadmill – I couldn't just come in the gym and run up and down the court. I always wanted to play basketball. To Can you imagine Rondo walks into your pickup game like in the middle of the season? Yeah, I mean, it was, especially if you had oh, just no, you, you, were you had already guys had like the first and pick, and I'm like, I'll take Mark, and then the next guy, and then they were, <laughs> yeah, oh, I'll, I'll take, take Rondo. Rondo. I'm like, <laughs> no, it was a little bit more strategic. Shout out to Chicago. It was, they call it uh, 150s. Yeah, so yeah. we played to 150. Yep. Yeah, so like I said, we get up and down 150. Whoever scored 150 points first, it was a lot of great, great cardio, a lot of great guys. I appreciate you guys helping me stay in shape and getting me focused. So fast forward, like I said, I got benched for almost 20 games that year. We turn around a little bit, go into the playoffs, I'm back in the starting lineup. So for me, I had that was my motivation. Okay, you guys want to bench me, I'm going to show you. Mm-hmm. End up trying to do my best as I could possibly do. We win the first two games, I get hurt, we don't win another game. So for me, that was kind of like their karma on how they treated me versus uh, me not being able to fulfill, my, fulfill the, the, the destiny as far as me winning and beating the Celtics. But it was, nevertheless, I felt great to win those two games and felt like I had a great you know role that I played in while we won. And then we lost four straight. Uh, that was kind of... I guess a slap in the face of the organization. When D Wade called you, what was the conversation? Basically, are we, are we cool? Like, is it you know, there's no bad blood, man. You know, it's always about taking the high road. Mm-hmm. When I led you to the answer about Brad, it involved you outthinking him and preparing in that series. So as those games are going on, 
you had a special meeting, right? You called D-Wade together and Jimmy. What, what were you trying to do? Put different plays in. So we, uh, we stay in the Four Seasons right downtown. And again, like I wasn't really, I don't think I was even part of the scouting port that much because again, they, I was taking out a lineup. Yep. So I don't think Brad was preparing for me. <laughs> I was preparing for him. So I had a little of an advantage. Um, but we'll have to ask him that. We had, it, um, we had a meeting. I asked the guys to stay back, D-Wade and Jimmy in particular. And I want to put in an offense that we play out of the elbow. Um, we called it C action at the time. It was all, all of us were interchangeable. Uh, and we made certain reads off the post, off the high post. And I think those plays worked in the fourth quarter. And we were able to get a couple of W's in Boston. I thought that series was over. I, down, I, down I knew it was over. I mean, it was we the first two at home. Yeah. First, we was up 2-0. We were, like I said, it was, we were eight seed uh, going back to Chicago. Uh, the only thing that was disappointing is that we thought, you know, the energy would be a little bit better in the arena. Mm-hmm. And it just wasn't what it needed to be for us to be up 2-0 on a number one seed, the Boston Celtics. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you go back, the energy that was in the arena when we played against the Ben Gordons, when Ray hit the shot, we had yeah. three overtimes. That, that was what I was expecting going yeah. back. But, but now I'm being on the opposite team, and it wasn't that. So that's the only disappointment in you that you two something. Find game six in 2009 of that series, yeah. those overtime games. And you and Kirk Heinrich had a little yeah. friendly tumble <laughs> friendly, the friendly. in front of us at yeah. the uh, score table. table. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Zach Zarba was a young official in that game, and he was—I th- always thought that was one of the better officiated games I've ever seen because they had to keep that thing right here. Yeah, without it and it was over. exactly it was. It yeah. was—I think it was right at playoff basketball. You oh, know, what yeah. I mean? it, was, it was at the point where you could almost see us going to blows, but at the same time, it was controlled enough to where we stick, we kept it basketball and we competed at a high level. That was my first playoff series working in the NBA. Okay. And I Don't was they like, all be like that. I mean, oh man, yeah, that's it. That that literally might be the best playoff series. It's on the short I list. I mean, yeah. yeah, that was insane. It was like overtime every night. Sometimes yep. double, triple overtime. <laughs> yep. Ben Gordon is going nuts. Ray Allen's going, going nuts. nuts. It, yeah, it just had everything. I think I um did I knock out Brad Miller's teeth? You did. <laughs> Try to say. I mean, wasn't and he it? Missed he missed free throws. So maybe that was my karma with D Wade. I mean, it all comes full circle. You know, we never know. Like I said, all fun trying to win the game. It wasn't unintentional, but like I said, it was, it was a competitive series, and um, it was fun to be a part of. And then, like I said, going against the the the, the young D Rose. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, rookie. Rookie yeah, D Rose. Yeah. For his ACL stuff. Or I think, yeah. yeah. There were a couple times I looked at the person next to me. I'm like, that man's going to be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. Three years after that, in 2020, you were in the bubble with LeBron and the Lakers, and the Celtics were playing Miami in the other conference final. You're going to face the winner. What did LeBron say to you, finishing up that conversation about preparing for Brad three years earlier? What did LeBron say? Well, funny, I remember. So I tore my – well, I think I tore a ligament in my thumb in the bubble, so I left for about six weeks again, another injury. Um, But I came back, and we had actually a football draft in the room, in the bubble. We had to make fun of whatever we can do in the bubble. September, yeah. Yeah, so we had a football draft. Uh, I got the video of every. I probably won't ever release it. Maybe one day, but it was. It was you can good. give. We'll put it out for you. We, had, we had like the. the we love the break news. We played the music and everything. <laughs> it was fun. We had a podium and everything. Huh. But we were watching the game, had the draft, and then we watching the, the Heat game. And LeBron, you know, told me he had Spo and I had Brad. So that was kind of the mindset of going into the finals. Whoever, whatever team won, we were going to prepare for the to beat the coaches versus the players. We With spent, all due respect to the players. We spent all these minutes talking about it, as I did for all the years you were here and all the years in the league about your brain and how it works, which, of course, has always begged the question, how do you want to use that brain? Do you ever want to coach? And there were always, and I'll tell you this, and you can imagine who some of them are, there are coaches who said to me, 
That would be karma if Rondo had to coach somebody <laughs> with all, all the grief he gave me. How do you want to use that brain in this next part of your life? You're, you're, at, you're around Kentucky. You're going back to school. We'll talk about that. But is coaching something while the rest of us have always said, oh, he'd be a great coach if he ever wanted to. Someone's going to ask you at some point if you actually want to do it. I do. I do want to coach. I love teaching. Uh, right now, I particularly love teaching my son mm-hmm. so, uh, and his teammates. So I feel like they get a lot of uh, benefits as far as me being back to the game and not necessarily playing or even being around the NBA or college game, but being around them. I have an AU program that I spend a lot of time with. Um, I think I call my AU coaches every day. <laughs> They're looking, like, can this guy leave me alone? I'm looking at kids, you know, class of 2030, 29, looking at the talent level. <laughs> You're like Mike Zarin looking I, at the understanding high the, school players. Understanding kids are being, you know, reclassified. Guys are holding back. Like, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy what the world I'm stepping to now. But it's like it's all for the greater good of him and his, for him to benefit on, on my knowledge of the game, but also with the team. And they're, they're particularly at a young age, what I love most is that we watch film. You know, I'm teaching those guys to film, and, and it's allowing me to learn patience. Being able to teach 11, 12-year-old kids, mm-hmm. not understanding what the whole basketball scope is about, but at the same time understanding that guys of my age and at this level still don't know the game to where I feel like they need to be. So um, it's been fun. It's been a fun process, and I love teaching. I love giving back. So at what point do you take the step from AAU and, and young kids to teaching the best in the world? Well, Dion has a great blueprint right now. Um, he's yeah, coached his son. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he, he, you look back on his stories. He's coached his son at the same age yeah. now. Then he went to high school. Then he went to college. So I don't know if that's the steps I'll take, but that's definitely a hell of a blueprint. Um, but we'll see. Like I said, I have a lot of great ties. I played for so many different teams and organizations. Uh, I built a lot of great relationships with coaches in the past. And uh, who knows what the future holds. But right now, me being here with, with Coach Joe, uh, He's younger, but he's a lot, you know, he's really wise. And I love, you know, coming here the last couple of days or these next couple of days and trying to learn as much as I can from him and the staff. Is that weird to you that the, the head coach of the Celtics is two years younger than you? No. I mean, this is the world we live in today. Yeah. You know, I mean, you can't, you can't judge a person's intellect or what he knows personally, but looking at him just for the last hour, understanding his dedication and what this means to him uh, is greatly appreciated. Has Plus, anyone wait called a minute, you? Wait a minute. Hold on a second. Because you knew it all when you were 22. So how's he going to say? <laughs> I thought I knew it all at 22. <laughs> that, and that's just it. Isn't that, I mean, there's sort of a, aren't the things, when people talk about the Rondo personality, aren't those the things that made you great on the court? Uh, didn't, weren't they inseparable? The things that people, if coaches said, oh man, that Rondo, man, it's difficult. Aren't those the same characteristics that made you the player <laughs> that refused to acknowledge you had a torn ACL? It's the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. The player that, you know, would stay up after games and watch film for two hours, just as a coach would. So uh, when I was, I guess, challenging at times, it was because of the work I put in. It wasn't just thinking I knew it all and not doing anything about it. You know, I was, I was up at, you know, to two or three in the morning watching film. And what I tell players now is I would watch film myself first um the first go around and then i'll watch film on my best players or the other team my other teammates so i can figure out their strength and weaknesses as well to make them better so me putting that work in at times i would you know challenge or ask certain questions because you know i'm putting in just as much work as you are if not more on top of me coming out here and playing at the same time and being on the court making the, making the plays the first time that i heard you say this publicly that you used to watch what two two and a half hours of film after each game yeah, i would have a glass of wine and be up Kind of much all night. Everyone else in the house would fall asleep. I would have dinner. Like I said, I would go back and watch. And I would love to watch film. I'm not going to tell you how I watch film. I'm not going to give that secret up. But I would watch it twice. And it would, t- it would take me a very, very, very long time. 
So the first thing that went through my head, now you just kind of answered it of when, when you did it in the night, but I was like, is that what he was doing when we were waiting in the locker room for him to come out and talk oh, no, for like was, two hours every single night? I got that from Kevin Garnett. <laughs> <laughs> Can you take us into it? Cause folks, we had, we had some long ass nights waiting for you guys to come out. And it was as if Rondo and KG, you know, in, in his day, it was like you were playing games with us of like, who who are going to be the last sur- surviving media members who are going to wait this long for me to come out and then ask me questions? No, and trust uh, me, the, it would start at like twenty or thirty people, and it would dwindle down. and it would dwindle, and he would come out and there'd be like maybe eight or ten oh, left. Yeah, perfect <laughs> at that time, but no, it was it wasn't personally with the media. It was more so what I tell. I was just telling, uh, I guess Tatum there in uh, in Horford. What we would do after the game was we would be in the training room talking about the game and win or lose. That particular year, the first year, we obviously won a lot, but we always try to figure out what we could do better as a team. Like and immediately Immediately, after, yeah. We all just ha- kind of hang out in the training room. Like I said, Paul and Kevin would be getting treatment. I'm young, so I didn't really – I would always shower and just kind of sit there with my clothes. But as, as through time, getting older, I would try to start to get the treatment. But we always try to figure out how we can do be- – what we can do better, how we can slow down whatever guy we're playing against or what we're looking forward to into the next game. And that's just kind of – I think that's why we won so early is because our focus on our mindset. And now – Looking back at the other teams I played for, it never happened again. Hmm. You know, you, you win, lose, guys get showered, they go to family, they get out of there. But that particular team, we would always hang around the training room and talk the game and figure out what we can do better to win. What did when you told Jason and Al that? What was their reaction? Were right. you saying it as like, hey, this is something we did. It could help you guys. No, it was just kind of having a conversation, um, kind of like just kind of you know replaying like mm-hmm. how it was you know, when I was here, and like I said, just the mindset of being around such great players and, and how their focus was and how we all wanted to sacrifice and what it meant to win. Last thing before we let you go. We have to talk about it. You went to the other side. You went to the other side. And after playing them in the finals twice, one win, one loss, Yeah, I'm just curious, you know, from a player's perspective, was it hard? Like, was there any bit of your insides that were like, this, I just don't want to do this, but I kind of have to? It was not hard. We're talking about going to the Lakers. I don't want to yeah. say the name, but it wasn't hard at all. Because you know why? <laughs> it's not like he had a game winning shot here against the yeah. Celtics and Boston. That didn't happen, right? <laughs> you is know it, why is it wasn't it that hard? LeBron guy. Is that why it was easy? <sighs> it was definitely that. I, I remember um, I was in Louisville, standing in the living room in front of the TV, and I was watching him play. And I was like, if I get a chance to play with him, I'm going to win. Like he's been to the finals, I think eight, nine times in a row. Mm-hmm. And I was like, if I could play with LeBron, I'll win another championship. But that wasn't the tipping point. The tipping point was it was two teams that was giving me a job that year. I mean, what do, what do I do? Mm-hmm. I can't just stay loyal and, and you weren't stay unemployed. To, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I mean, you could, but I don't think anyone yeah, would advise I, I, that. I wanted to play, and, and they had high interest. And, you know, it's like if someone shows you interest and you like them a little bit, you're going you're gonna to bite. Mm-hmm. So uh, I took the bite and uh, took the bait, and like I said, the rest is history. How did that championship differ? I mean, totally different scenarios for you yeah. personally in your career, where we you are in life. We didn't get a damn parade. That's the only thing yeah. that I regret. <laughs> we did not get a parade. But what I loved about that one in particular, I was telling the media that um, Eddie House did something for me when we won it in 2008. Well, one thing I loved and appreciated was that he had his son on the sideline mm-hmm. the whole time. And for me, coming full circle, I was able to have my son in the bubble uh, with me, um, him going to class online, him taking piano lessons. Mm-hmm. And be able to tr- hang out, train with Deion Wade's son, Dwight Howard's son, Jared Dudley's son. They were able to get workouts in after we worked out in practice. So having that moment with and sharing that with him 
that's what made it special when um you know i don't have any regrets of going to lakers and having that experience so <laughs> I, I don't think you could <laughs> i mean it, it hurt all of us inside to see see that number nine on on the lakers yeah but you gotta do what you gotta do yeah yeah gotta stay i had to stay employed at that particular yeah. time <laughs> but you know here we are a few years later um you had been away for a while it's awesome to have you back. I know you come to a few games over the years when yeah. KG got his number up, yeah. when Paul got his number up. Um, you came back last year as well yeah, for a game playoffs. or two. It's just it's awesome to have you guys back, and you in particular, because you know, you've been a little bit detached for a while. Absolutely. So. I, but it, you know, give credit to Joe. It starts with Joe. Yep. You know, he sent us out an email. Uh, I was telling the media, Paul called me at like 2 or 3 in the morning. <laughs> excited. Hey, they want us back. I'm like, what? Like, what's sleeping, going on? Like, brother? What's it? He's like, you know, they want us back. They want us to be around the guys. Um, you know, he would love to welcome you up and all that. So I was like, you know, sure, I'll take up the offer. And having this type of energy and seeing so many familiar faces is uh, it's been a great day for me so far. And I'm looking forward to the next couple of days, kind of hanging out with the old old guys here in the Celtic organization. When you, when has you, it sunk in that you're people? I, people used to say to me, <laughs> I know, hey, hey, I watch going. you all the time. And then now they say, I watched you all the time when I was in high school. Right. And that's you know, pretty soon <laughs> you're the long time guy and you're the old guy, whatever. Has it sunk in yet? Being around here. And coming back the last couple of years and seeing how, when I first came here 20 years ago, everyone talked about the 80s. Oh, Larry and Kevin and those guys. Now, the fans now, you're the legends. <laughs> when you come back and KG comes back and Paul comes back, has it sunk in yet that you're a legend? You're a Boston Celtics legend. It's humbling hearing that. Um, and when I went to the game last year to, to get the reception that we got, and when I come back, I do feel it. Um, but being away so so much in different organizations, I try to stay out of it as far as, like I said, from the media standpoint and getting on the internet, I kind of just, I kind of feel like I live in a bunker in a sense. You know, I kind of stay off the news or the internet as much as possible and just kind of be where I am with my my family and friends as president in Louisville, Kentucky. So, um, but another thing that makes me feel old or I understand that I am old is I've been running a camp back home for 16 years. And now 16, I, see, yeah. I, see, I see adults. Your kids yeah. are going hey, looking to the award. Yeah, I was in your camp. <laughs> like, My kid is you, in your camp right, now. Right. Like, <laughs> you're older than me. I'm like, okay, so it's, uh, oh, it's been fun. No, it's great. It's great having you back. I'm sure we're going to see you more throughout Absolutely, the season. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you coming on and back to class. Back to right? class, yep. And, oh, <laughs> back by school. the way, he's getting his degree in, in communications I and am. journalism. Yes. What a f- – can you – Tell me about that flip. I mean, this is the guy who didn't want to talk to the media. Now he, right. he's now working I'm to learning, be in the media. Yeah, I'm working to be in the media, learning about the media, uh, the change that, that it's made in this, in this day, the world we're in today. It's, it's been fun. And being in class at 37 versus 18, I just can tell you now I'm paying a lot more attention. <laughs> you didn't have to pay attention then. No, I had, I had It a, was all about playing I had a goal. the yeah, blue I blood. A, I had a goal in mind when I was in class at 18, 19 years old. Uh, now looking back, uh, I appreciated my time there, but... Uh, I was trying to get to to the NBA. Different times. It's the most backwards thing we do. We make 18-year-olds pick what they want to do with their life when you don't know anything about life. Right. Everybody (laughs) should go back to college. Everybody should go back to college, especially. Especially every retired or ex-NBA player. They're willing to pay for the education. As long as you get the grades, I think it's something you definitely should do. I don't know if my wife would be cool with me going back to college. You should definitely go back to get some kind of school. Although, listen, a couple years ago, I, I went to a, a Penn State football game. I wound up at a frat party. I'm really? not going to lie. Yeah, that's not the same thing we're talking about. You understand that's not. Yeah, that's All right. Not that's, uh, that's a good point to end this. Uh, but Rajan, thanks for coming back on, man. Appreciate it. We'll see you around the season. Yep. And hopefully it's Banner 18 coming it's, at the it's, end of this. It's, it's, it's a good chance of looking like it. Good team. All right, man. All right. We appreciate the time. No Thank you. You're welcome.